0: Welcome to Borked, the podcast by Geeks for Geeks. I'm your host David Eagle. I have with me my co-host Jay. Hello. And we have a couple of special guests for you this week. One of them is a friend of ours from way back in the day, Andrew McAlpine. How's it going, Andy?
1: Good. Hey, hey, Borked listeners.
0: I just channeled a guy named Mike Schramm, who's a great podcaster. I'm going to try not to do you that did again. Channel. Sorry.
2: That's really funny. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry I Mike. I,
0: I think I owe you a royalty for that little moment. <laughs> uh, we also have another very special guest. And that is Jay's lovely wife, Sarah. So, hi, Sarah. How's it going? Hello. I did it again. <laughs> great, great to have both of our special guests here this evening, and we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, what have you guys been up to this week? Let's start with you, Andy. Have you done anything really geeky this week?
1: Have I done anything geeky? Um, I, have, I have recently. I'm sort of late on the bandwagon, but I did just purchase an Xbox 360 uh. a few weeks ago. Um, and I'm now catching up on what everybody else has sort of done for the last... How, how long has it been out? It's been years. Three years? Uh, three years. <laughs> so <laughs> everything's, well, everything's cheaper now, which is the main
0: <laughs> <point>. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good deal. Welcome to the club. I'm sure everybody has given you a game or two that you just, quote-unquote, have to play.
1: Um, I, yeah, I think I'm, I'm making my way through the greatest hits, but, but I did just get on Xbox Live for the first time this past week. Oh, sweet. And, I'll send you the uh, info. We I doubt... Oh, like it, it could be official friends?
2: Yeah, like you know, if it's only real if it's online, so we'll be friends for real once you have my Xbox Live ID.
1: Well, that'll be good. And that'll be the second best reason to get Xbox Live because what I've been doing, the first best, best reason would be a Battlefield 1943 so you can oh. replay, you can replay a game that you bought many many years ago, but you can pay upside, more money and do it no, again. It's only
2: like 15 bucks this time though, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cheap, but uh, no, it's been fun. I, I haven't, I haven't done a whole lot of gaming recently, and it's fun to jump back in with something sort of, sort of quick and user friendly. Yeah. So it's worth the play. Uh, yeah, I, I'd say so. I mean, if you enjoy the battlefield formula, oh, not I a do. whole lot of changes, but um, you know, it looks great and it, it plays well, and uh, yeah, I, I, it's fifteen bucks. So yeah, the extra, go for it.
0: Please, please get Assassin's Creed. Oh, I'll just send it to you, Andy. How about that? <laughs> that sounds good. Okay, You need to play it. It's, <laughs> it's mandatory. It's good. It is the funds. All right. Well, Jay, what have you been up to this week?
2: Uh, well, I've been playing some WoW. Um, of course, of course, of course. And uh, we were doing good in Old Oldowar. We got two new bosses down, Hodir and Thorim, so that's rad. And I, uh, I played some Street Fighter IV, which was pretty cool. That's fun. It's for those of you who haven't played it. It's kind of. Uh, I'm not going to talk too much about it because it is definitely my Jay's weekly review. So you'll be hearing more. But um, it's definitely they they definitely went back to old school Street Fighter II style. Like you know, there's no you, there's no circling around your opponent like in Soul Calibur games or anything like that. It's just side by side and familiar characters, familiar moves, and it's a lot of fun. And so guess who is, guess who kicked my ass at that game. <sighs>
0: would it be Sarah perchance? <laughs> Sarah chance? kicks my ass. And, like, mm, thank I you. saw that on I saw that on your Twitter and I was pleased.
3: It's very fun.
0: Sarah was part of the group that used to play Soul Calibur 2 with us in the apartment, right? Yeah.
2: She back when we had that. the condo.
0: I'm trying to get that off of GueuxX right now actually so that we can play it. It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah uh, so this is a whole new this is a new release of Street Fighter, right? Yeah, Street Fighter 4, brand new game. Very cool. And it's available on what platforms? Do you know?
2: Uh, 360 for sure. Um, I heard something about PC, but that seems like it would be a horrible waste of time. PlayStation Oof. 3 it is, but I will seriously give you good money if you can
0: play that game for more than five minutes on the crappy PlayStation D-pad without your thumb falling off. <laughs> it's horrible. And we like thumbs because it's what distinguishes us from... Uh... You know, dogs right. and cats you know, and other lesser animals. Animals uh, that can't play the 360 are not humans. That's you... Yes, uh, opposable <laughs> thumbs <are> very valuable. <laughs> we definitely want to hold on to those. Well, what have I been up to this week? I have been reading a book. I'm kind of embarrassed to admit, uh, I was given it by Revoked uh, of this podcast, and it was Arthas. The, the book actually is the World of Warcraft book, Arthas. Oh, you're totally... You have it's,
2: geek cred now, for sure. It's <laughs> it,
0: it's real bad, and he warned me that it was not the highest piece of literature that he's ever passed on to me. It certainly wasn't. What it is is a great setup for what we're going to go into in Ice Crown once patch uh, 3.3 comes out for World of Warcraft, and I think it really sets up the storylines. It also gives you some backstory. So if you're not familiar with the lore of World of Warcraft, especially the war with the Scourge and... Just kind of the whole Warcraft 2, II, Warcraft 3, and Frozen Throne events, if you're not familiar with that, or if you didn't play through the games, or if you haven't done it in a long time. It's a pretty good book to read through if you have really low expectations for the writing quality, and you just want to... <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like a jerk, because the writer obviously put some time into it, and you know what? It's it's okay. I'm going to use a word from last week's podcast. The writing is serviceable. It is. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's not great. Couldn't I just read like a wiki if I want to know all that
2: stuff though? Or are you saying that this would be a more enjoyable means of getting into the lore? because that's, you know, that's the clincher for me. If I can if it's just as enjoyable for me to go to the the wiki for World of Warcraft and read all about Arthas, then I'm definitely gonna do that.
0: Yeah, I mean it it's all there in the wiki. It really is. But this kind of takes you through the character development of Arthas and shows Life you is so grumpy. Right. <laughs> and I I did kind of have a gripe with the book in that because it is a little heavy-handed, and you know the character goes in exactly the direction you expect it to go. But gosh, they didn't need to—they didn't need to sell it as hard as they did. They could have been a little bit more subtle with the character development. The the author of the book—I don't know the name of the author. So I'm you're looking awesome. for a
1: subtle character development.
0: A book called <laughs> Arthas, <laughs> a video game character. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: Touche, sir. Touche. <laughs> All right, Sarah. Aside from just completely destroying your husband at Street Fighter, is there any uh, specifically geeky thing that you've been up to this week?
3: I don't normally do geeky things. So you
0: wrote you wrote a couple of Yelp reviews. Yeah, or Yelp reviews. I saw. Yeah, but that's
3: not geeky.
0: Oh, I think it that's is.
3: Awesome. Not <laughs> awesome.
0: <huh? laughs> Are <the> opposite? <laughs>
4: no. Oh.
3: Hmm.
4: All right, so well, the most
3: let's... sneaky thing I did was learn how to play Street Fighter and it was really fun.
2: And you, you saw Harry Potter again? That's kind of I did. You know, Is that the second time for you guys? Yes. Uh, it was the first time for me to see it all the way through without falling asleep. <laughs> oh right. Like that. That's crucial. Is that why you saw it a second time? Yeah, because no. I fell asleep for the last
0: 45 minutes of the movie, which is basically everything I wanted to know to begin with. So Right. Because you haven't... Now, Jay, you haven't read this book, right? This is the first of the books that you haven't read. No, that's not true.
2: I didn't read five either.
0: Oh, so okay. So I literally
2: cried when Sirius Black died in the fifth book, in the fifth movie, because he's my favorite character in all stories, so...
0: Yeah. Wait,
2: Sirius a, Black died? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know. That was you know, a don't, don't you pull the oh no Harry Potter spoilers on me? I know your sin that you're ashamed of. I know the one oh,
3: you've done. That I know it too. Great.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and we're gonna share it on this podcast, so our listeners will know. Andy, why don't you tell? Why don't you tell the listeners the worst thing you've ever done in your life?
1: Okay, um, I do have a confession. This is the worst sin that I've committed. Um, I was I was in a Borders one day, walking around with my friend, and I just thought. We, we sort of started off our evening. We, had, we were sort of penniless, just looking for ways to entertain ourselves. Um, so we began going through the mystery section and, and uh, looking at the end of the book, finding out who done it, so to speak, and writing it in a little index card and putting it in the first <laughs> page of the book. Um, at first it was a sort of benign kind of thing, like, hey, don't waste your time with this book. Here's how it ends, right? I've saved you $5. <laughs> Of course, then it escalated, and, and it ended up being me in the first Harry Potter book, um, writing down the secret that occurs. I'm not going to give it away. At the end of the, the sixth movie slash book, um, major plot twist. About wrote someone it down, dying. About somebody dying. <laughs> wrote it down. Said, don't in get too attached to, to this character. <laughs> Stuck it right in the first chapter of the first book. Um, so wow. some poor child... <laughs> I, I'm actually feeling bad right now as we're talking. <laughs> that's awful. That is awesome.
0: Well, I am i didn't know that story, so that's awesome. Uh, our listeners may not know, our listeners probably don't know unless they've been stalking you, Andy. They don't know that you are a, a huge Harry Potter fan. You have been a big fan of the books. You kind of gave me your, your conversion story and I thought it was cool, um, but you've been a big fan of the books for a long time and you... Obviously love the movie, so we have you on, not just because you're one of the funniest people we know, but also so that hopefully you can uh, get in there and give us a little review of the movie later on in the show, and give us your thoughts on that. But before we get to that, we're going to jump into the Geekly News. And Geekly News is going to be jam-packed because there was a huge event this week. That's right. Amazon yanked books off of the Kindle. Mm, like off of people's Kindles? Yeah, like people bought it, and it was on their Kindle. It's like it was. It is as if you went to Borders and you purchased a book and took it home and put it on your bookshelf. And then the next morning you woke up and you went to your bookshelf and the book was gone and your twelve ninety five was there, just in a little pile of coins <laughs> on your bookshelf.
2: That's a funny mental image, actually. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm glad. I feel so, like uh, for some books that might actually be a service. Yeah. You know? Right. Like, hey, here's your here's your money back. Like the yeah. Arthas book.
0: Arthas, There you I was go. Just really
1: exactly.
0: Crap! (laughs) That's good. I was only on chapter three. And I guess going back, the backstory is that these books were not properly licensed for Amazon to sell them on the Kindle. So Kindle apparently has this open marketplace format where people can throw books on there to be purchased by Kindle users. But if the people who put the books on there don't have the correct licensing to sell them in that way, and Amazon finds out, they will remove that book from all of the Kindles that it has been downloaded to, which is kind of creepy but maybe that's just me as a kind of a technophile and like a security geek and a, a personal rights geek, like being a little weirded out by that. And maybe nobody else cares about that. I don't know. What do you guys think about that?
2: Well, on one hand, the the closest thing to actually compare it to, because your little thing about going to borders is, you know, I'm sure that's what people who own the Kindle and, and the books are thinking. That's probably what they feel like, but it's probably a little bit closer to what Apple doesn't do with the App Store, which is if if they decide that an app is no longer allowed, they can't physically pull it off your iPhone, but they can stop offering it as a service. And if you were to ever you know, lose your computer and try and resync your purchases, you wouldn't be able to download it again. Um, they've, they've done that with certain Blizzard, non-Blizzard, World of Warcraft-related apps that you could get for the iPhone, and Blizz said you can't have those. Um, so they pulled them down from the store, but if you already have them, it would stay on your phone. So that's, it's
0: a little bit more of an apropos comparison that way, I think. But. All right. So then, with that with that different context in mind, are you okay with it? Do you think it's crossing a line? Where do you stand? Um, I think. Well, basically, it's theirs,
2: so they can do whatever they want, technically. But um, if they if they didn't have the right to sell the book in the first place, then they're idiots um, for doing it. And it was obvious... I, I don't know very much about it at all. So if it was like if they if it was just some huge fall through, like people not doing their jobs, and those people. Should probably be fired, but I don't know. Not for me to say.
1: <laughs> right. Fair enough. I think, um, I think one thing that this does illustrate is just sort of the impermanence of digital media, at least mm-hmm. at this stage in the game. Um, and I'm, I'm trying hard not to be just sort of a skeptic about the whole Kindle thing and not to be <laughs> sort of, uh, you know, a Luddite for no real reason. But, you know, the only way you're going to lose a book after you buy it is if you, you know, Trash it, or if Nazis break down your door and, and take it to burning, <laughs> right? Or, or if, if, you, if
2: you're revoked, you drop it in the toilet. You drop it in the toilet, <laughs> in the toilet. exactly. <laughs> the toilet. Uh,
1: but you know, it seems to me like like these are you know kinks that are going to be worked out. But it does make you question the value of something you're purchasing, right? Um, something that can't be held on to, something that's not even controlled by you, uh, which is something that you know with a with sort of I was about to say flesh and blood, but paper and ink book. <laughs> it's not something you have to worry about. Um, sure. So it, it seems like another, not, not necessarily a strike against the Kindle, but another sort of obstacle to be overcome. How, how are people secure in these books that they're buying um, if they can sort of disappear for no reason?
2: Yeah, you know, it does t- kind of tarnish the image of Kindle because I think that's been a hard, I think the Kindle's been a hard sell for them the whole time because it, it had, the things going for the Kindle were that it is cool. Um, and it's te- it's like a very tech kind of thing, and that the you know the options are limitless. But the things that are going against it is people, some people don't want to look at a screen. Uh, the device itself is expensive. It's you know newer technology. You don't see them everywhere, so most people are still skeptical about it. So it's been kind of an uphill battle for Amazon so far, I think. And this kind of just, I think they get knocked back about five steps with
0: this. It, whether it, it yeah, it doesn't help when Amazon steals your book. Yeah. Who knows what they're going to steal next? <laughs> well, I, I think you guys raised some definitely some interesting points. For me, I kind of wonder, does the Kindle need to overcome the barriers that keep it from behaving like a paper product? Or do we need to overcome the mindset that books are a product or that information is a product the way that it, it was 10 years ago? and move into a different mindset. And I don't know what that would be. I mean, one that I've heard tossed around is the idea of information as a service. Like, um, you guys probably know, I subscribe to Rhapsody, and I pay $9 a month, so I can listen to all the music I want to listen to. So for me, music is not a product, except for rare occasions like the Wilco album, which is something that I want to own. But music is not a product. By and large, it's a service that I subscribe to on a monthly basis, and I'm fine with that model.
1: I feel the only problem with that model is is that if something goes wrong on anywhere on that chain that you're without your service, right? You know, whatever... You know, you, could, you can do nothing wrong and then lose all of your music because a company goes out of business or, you know, the technology isn't working properly. Um, whereas with more traditional forms of media, ownership feels like something real.
2: That's true. I will give you... I will definitely say that that is a legitimate point. Um, as we've recently discussed with my anger over the iTunes store... <laughs> I won't say my quote. I won't do it. I won't do
0: it. Right. Yeah. I can see. Okay, good. I've got the t-shirts, by the way. They're being
4: printed. They I'm waiting on, the on
2: that,
0: actually. Okay, cool. <laughs> Let's move on to our next news item. We talked a couple weeks ago about StarCraft II having no LAN play whatsoever. And what that means is if you purchase StarCraft II and you go to your friend's garage and you hook all your computers up together, you cannot play against each other on the local network. You have to connect to Blizzard's servers in order to play a game with the guy sitting right next to you. It looks like Command & Conquer is moving in the same direction. Command & Conquer 4 will require an internet connection. We all know why they're doing it. It's a piracy thing, and, uh, you know, I don't know. I hate it, and we're suffering because of a... I don't know. Just, you guys understand where I'm coming from, but what are you thinking? Can I
2: ask you a really quick question? Because I was upset about this when I first read this, uh, but I want you to tell me the last game that was Command & Conquer that was any good.
0: Could you... Like, recall for me, please, because I'm I pretty believe sure it was, it was Red Alert. I believe it was called Red Alert. Yes, <laughs>
2: the first one. So, yes, I'm not actually that broken up. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, you're not broken up because you're probably not going to play, or if you do play, you're probably not going to enjoy the game, so you I'm won't play not it not very much. It. There's no way. So you're going to pirate it, basically. Uh, probably not
2: even. I, the <laughs> Red Alert, the most recent Red Alert was just horrible, like
0: horrible, horrible, horrible. Yeah. Right. Well, more than this specific game, the trend is not pleasing, and Penny Arcade did a whole comic series on the evolution of anti-piracy measures from, you know, a little sticky note that said, please don't copy this game, (laughs) to a decoder wheel, if you guys remember those back in the late 90s. You used to get, like, a decoder wheel, and you had to use that to put in a code. Um, Also, in the late 90s, mid-90s, games were just so complex that you could not play them without the manual.
1: Or don't forget the uh, the what is the fourth word on page fifteen?
0: Yeah, that, exactly. That I think that was actually the method used in uh, Monkey Island, which is hilarious. Is, they For the should advent. go
2: back
1: to that actually. Oh yeah, <laughs> no one would post
2: that on the internet three seconds later.
0: <laughs>
1: well, the pro- I mean, they'll just get the uh, manual on their Kindles and they'll get taken back. <laughs> <laughs>
0: In general, I think we're going to continue to see video game manufacturers moving towards uh, more aggressive anti-piracy measures that are going to have a deeper impact on users. And you know what? In all reality, this one probably isn't such a big deal. In parallel to your question is this question. When was the last time you played a game and you weren't connected to the internet? Um, Right. uh, Well, no, wait.
2: Let me give you a really good example. Um, The the most recent LAN I went to... It was great. Um, there were like probably 12 of us there, I want to say, at the peak of it, which is a good amount of people for a LAN. Um, and we played uh, a lot of different games, but the one thing I noticed is whenever I tried to bump out to the Internet that I, like, her connection at her house was miserable slow, like slow, slow. And so what this means essentially is that if we were going to try it, like if we all got StarCraft 2 and we wanted to play it at a LAN, we would have to deal with that horrible internet connection for all of us, which is something you don't currently have to deal with with games that allow LAN play.
0: Well, that's a good point, and that sounds like it would be pretty crappy. hmm And I think we're going to see more of this, so I don't know if there's anything we can really do about it, but grit our teeth and bear it. Not buy it. It's pretty much the answer. Oh, well, I apologize, but my cricket just started up right outside my I window. I love that cricket. Say it to it for me. It, was the, it is the cricket from the last episode. So...
4: Welcome, Welcome back. back. We should
0: name him. <laughs> I've been feeding him. Yeah, he's practically a guest. something on the something. It's been on this more times than Andy. <laughs> <laughs> True story. <laughs> Said more intelligent things, probably. Nah, I got back. <laughs> I don't think so. I think you got him beaten that on that count. So let's move on to our third news item. Uh, third news item: We saw a resurgence in rumors that the iPhone will be made available for Verizon. What we know about the iPhone exclusivity deal with AT&T is that it was signed in 2007, and we believe that it's going to end in 2010. And if any of you watch the Worldwide Developers Conference, the, the Mac Conference uh, keynote, you'll remember that Mac made several little comment. The, the I forget the name of the gentleman who actually hosted the keynote, but as he was talking about the new iPhone features like the MMS messaging – he made several little comments about how it would be available, but it would be restricted based on the carrier's ability to provide the service. Basically saying, you know, well now we built it into the iPhone, you know, three years later, whoops, but you're not going to be able to get to it until the carrier provides that level of service to your account. And for me personally, I still can't get MMS. I have a friend who can get MMS and on his iPhone, he gets them just fine. I don't. We're both running the same version of the software. So I don't know what, what's going on there, but it looks like iPhone and Mac may be a little bit unhappy with AT&T, and maybe that's why we have more people kind of circulating this rumor. So, I searched the whole wide internet, couldn't find anything that really strongly pointed to it. Oh, and MMS, of course, is the multimedia messaging service. That is the picture messages, the video messages, that kind of thing. If you are an iPhone user, you know That your brand new iPhone that you got in 2007, peak of technology, all this stuff, was unable to receive multimedia messages. And you had to click on a little link and log in to the site to view a picture that your friend sent you from his Nokia phone that he got in
4: 1998.
0: (laughs) That's pretty bad. So that's, that's pretty much it. At this point, it's a rumor. I don't know that there's any validity to it, except that we know that Verizon is the other major force in the cell phone market. They have slightly fewer subscribers than, um, I believe, it's just AT and T at this point. It's no longer called Singular. That's um, correct. So it makes sense that they would be the that they would be the rumored um, recipients of the next iPhone. We just don't know when it's going to happen. I'm sure it will happen.
2: Does that mean that if uh, if I want to still have an iPhone, I have to go to Verizon, or is the exclusivity alone going to be banished and any of the carriers can have it?
0: I think it'll probably just open the doors for any carrier to use it.
4: Okay.
0: As you know, you can pretty much use it. A- an iphone on any carrier at this That's point true. you just have to jailbreak it which people don't really want to do because they could brick their phone and- yeah you get no service
2: then it was funny i was in the apple store and some guy came in was asking for help and then the the, the worker there was looking at it he's like didn't know what he was looking at he's like well what, what's going on and he's like oh it, you know i jailbroke it and the guy's like oh sorry i can't help you <laughs> like literally wouldn't like wouldn't give the guy the time of day
0: Yeah. And they can't really, um, they're not supposed to. So one thing that Rev said when we talked about this in the past was that he didn't see, I believe he said that he didn't see, um, Apple making a CDMA iPhone. So it's possible that they'll move more towards T-Mobile who has a more, uh, up-to-date network. Who knows? Who really knows? We don't. We just know that the internet has been kind of a buzz. So, Hey, heads up internet is a buzz. Um, from a geekly news standpoint, it's pretty much the only thing that happened this week. There was nothing major going on. Can you think of anything, Jay, major else that happened this week?
2: Um no. Uh there was no like um conference. There were no, no major conferences anywhere no, conference in the Southern season California region
0: hasn't quite started yet. I mean, I guess there was this little like this little offshoot uh for comic book collectors.
2: Oh yeah, but it was just San Diego, it was right?
0: Right. Yeah, yeah just a couple a couple people attended this thing called the San Diego Comic-Con. And I've just picked my top four happenings from the STCC, which I'm sure you guys are all aware of. And I'm sure you're oversaturated with news coming from San Diego this week.
2: But so we're going to keep it simple, sweet, and delicious.
0: We're going to try to keep it short. Iron Man 2, Robert Downey Jr., makes the movie sound like it's really dark, which is good. But is it good? Sure. Huh. <laughs> Jay says sure. All right. <laughs> um, well, here's... me. Go ahead. Uh,
2: well, because I love Iron Man, the first one, so much. And I love it because I like... I love... I love Robert Downey Jr. being like the playboy asshole guy who's just funny and doesn't really care about anyone, but at the end of the first movie, that character was mostly gone. Like, he was kind of there, but he, like, you know, he, he was struggling with what he had done as weapons manufacturer, and so he was going to kind of change the world thing. So, uh, he could no longer maybe be that, that devil may care kind of playboy guy, I don't know. So, it would make sense to me if it were darker, but I'd be sad.
0: Yeah, I loved it for the same reason that you did. We were talking about this before the show. Robert Downey Jr. made that movie, and his attitude at the beginning of the movie and through the middle of the movie was just... it was, He was a hilarious character, a lot of fun to watch, and it, you just got the sense that he was having so much fun playing that character, you know?
1: I feel like uh, Iron Man might actually be the last fun comic book movie, right, in a, uh, a post-Dark Knight world. Oh, I, yeah. You know, I think that sort of dark is the new fun and so while i you know I, there's all sorts of possibilities for the character and and iron man 2 um i feel like are we going to become oversaturated do you think with these sort of like psychodramas set in superhero costumes oh yeah we are kind of heading that way aren't we Ooh. and again I, I don't think it's necessarily <laughs> a bad thing but it seems like a sort of strange adolescence for the comic book movie to be going through um but I you know I'll give Iron Man two a chance either way I really I love the first one i don't I don't remember a whole lot of it, but I remember I enjoyed it while I while it was going on you know mm. so uh, we'll see how we'll see how we can see uh brooding Robert Downey Jr <laughs> so he can pull that off and I, I think it'll be good
0: you know I think it'll be good too, but I did love the first one and what I did not love and you guys are gonna um you're gonna kill me for this one but I did not love the most recent Batman film. I don't like leaving a movie theater and feeling gross, if that makes sense. Okay. So, I don't know if I would see it again. Didn't really enjoy it a whole lot. And, uh, yeah, so that's where I stand on the dark movies. I like dark to a certain degree. And then if you push it past that to to the point where it's, I don't know, I guess I have a threshold. And I didn't know I did until I saw that movie. Yeah, I mean, it was,
2: I, I know what you mean. I didn't buy it. I think that was the reason why I didn't. I was in the store, and I had it in my hand, and it was cheap, and I was like, oh, and I'm like, you know what? I just don't know if I'd really, I mean, I saw it twice in the theater.
0: I don't know if I would watch it in my home. Not that it's not a great film. No, it's yeah, it's me, It's very good. Yeah. All right, well, Robert Downey Jr. was great, Sarah. How did you feel about the Robert Downey Jr. there in the Iron Man
3: I loved Iron Man. We saw that twice in the theater, too, because it was so freaking awesome. Um, I'm just sad that Terrence Howard isn't coming back for the second one. I love Don it's Cheadle, not. but no, Don Cheadle's taking over the role, oh. who I love that actor, but I just thought Terrence Howard was really good for the role, so I'm sad about that.
2: So yeah, I didn't know that. Wow, way to out-geek yeah. me. I, I totally agree with
0: you. Way to out-gossip
3: <laughs> you, you mean? Yeah, that's true.
0: You and your gossip <laughs> blogs. Somebody is going, uh, they're they're writing a song with their horn, and it sounds like it might be about traffic, but I'm really not sure. Oh, behind you? Oh, they stopped. We didn't hear any of it. (laughs) Somewhere in La Habra, somebody (laughs) went crazy.
3: I'm not surprised.
0: (laughs) You shouldn't be surprised. All right, moving on to... Um, Avatar, we talked a little bit about this last week, and it looks like Avatar 3D, people at Comic-Con had an opportunity to see some of the footage that was, James Cameron said it was revolutionary, that it would redefine 3D filmmaking, and that you would only talk about movies made before Avatar and made after Avatar, and so people on Thursday night at Comic-Con got to be the first of the public to get a look at this, they got to see about 20 minutes from the film, and their response was, meh. (laughs) apparently it was good but it wasn't that good they said they could totally tell the difference between the CG and the non-CG which was one of the things that the I believe it was a New York Times journalist who actually got the sneak preview said he just couldn't tell what was CG everything looked real and uh, the Comic Con viewers uh, a more savvy bunch were saying yeah we could really tell the difference and the 3D and the CG effects all looked really good but also very obvious so Maybe we're not surprised by this. I'm not super surprised by this. I'm kind of disappointed in James Cameron for overhyping it if it is really as, you know, middle-of-the-road. There's something respectable about making a middle-of-the-road movie with good special effects, but if you go around telling everybody that it is the best thing since... Matrix. Sliced. Sliced Matrix, yeah. Sliced Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> with the camera that went all the way around so you can yeah. rotate in a shot. Oh. It was pretty it was pretty amazing at the time. Filmmaking genius really and
1: what really i mean what has been like what has been hyped so much and ever really delivered on it i can't think of anything in recent memory that has just been advanced that so much excitement going over it and living up to it it just seems like it's already destined to fail
0: yeah that's true i'm gonna say girls <laughs> like the the gender yeah okay yeah, totally okay. hyped and then and then <laughs> totally awesome <laughs> yeah that's true Yeah, women are pretty amazing. I think so. (laughs) (laughs) You would. (laughs) Jeez, fully biased. So Avatar 3D, uh, just mediocre. And then I was reading more, and apparently there was a Heroes panel at the San Diego Comic-Con, which led me to wonder, uh, one, is the show still on? And two, if it is, why is it still on? Did you guys watch the Heroes? Did you get into it at all?
1: I watched the uh, first few episodes, or I tried to, and um, I was really excited about it beforehand. I thought I was the target demographic, you know? Like, sort of overweight dude loves comic books, loves TV, right? And it Mm. (laughs) it didn't connect with me. Um, I, I just, I just couldn't care about it. I thought it was bad.
0: Wow. Well, that, that is exactly how I felt about it. I'm sorry, my wife just walked in and danced with a watermelon. Nice. So I'm, trying to, I'm trying not to laugh. Um, <laughs> Give you, you in the mood for later. Yeah. I, d- <laughs> Don't even I think I'm going to be able to stay focused for a couple minutes here, but we're going to have to bust it through the rest of this podcast.
2: Well, Sarah and I both liked uh, Heroes. I watched, We both watched all of season one, and was it season two where we were just like, never mind, or was that three? that
3: was three we loved season one and season two was like uh i love season one maybe it will be okay and then season three is just a piece of crap but i think they're still on because they have a contract for a certain number of seasons and they're getting really low ratings this season but they're still i think they have two seasons left or something like that something ridiculous
0: well, that's unfortunate. Yeah. I'll just say it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was on board. I Just like Andy, I really, really got excited about the show. And I watched season one and I enjoyed it. I'll be honest. I thought it was pretty cool. Got into season two and I was like, oh, this isn't going so well. And then for season three, I guess my DVR still recorded it. I'm sure my wife has stopped it by now, but like, I guess my DVR still recorded it for a while, and then eventually it got to the point where I just hadn't watched any of the episodes, and I had like 10 on there, so I guess I don't watch it anymore.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you, I don't think you missed anything if you had Season 3 stuff on there, because it was, it was really bad. I think it, I could be wrong about the timing on it, but I think it was one of those shows where it was the, the Actress Guild strike happened after the first season, And they never really recovered because no one thought that they'd be making it. I I could be totally wrong, but I think I remember something like that.
0: Well, I don't think any of the people on the show are actually in the Actors Guild, so that would probably be a large factor. Well, what about the writers,
3: though?
0: Oh, uh, fair fair enough. (laughs) So the last item from the San Diego Comic-Con that I was excited about, it was from the Guild panel, and they talked about Season 3. If you guys aren't familiar with the Guild, uh, it's a web series... Made by the uh, author Felicia Day, who played Penny from the Dr. Horrible sing-along blog, which was by Joss Whedon, who created Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Firefly, which was, you know, those are two uh, excellent TV shows. From what I hear, I never watched Buffy, but I loved Firefly. And later, the movie Serenity, which I thought was good, and which, you know, we'll never see any more of Firefly, unfortunately. But Mm -hmm. anyway, Felicia Day kind of tangentially related to Joss Whedon and some of the stuff that he's done. And now she, I guess she was in the last uh, season of Buffy. She was a Slayer. Really?
4: Huh.
0: Apparently. So that's cool. So she went on to create her own um, web series called The Guild. And the web series is about this guild of players who play a massively multiplayer online game, sort of like World of Warcraft. They never named the game in the in the show, which I think is probably wise. And it's about their real-life interaction and how they resolve some real-life issues that they run into as a guild who who met in the game and has never met in real life. And it's really funny. So... Uh, Seasons 1 and 2 are available on their website, which I believe is watchtheguild.com. And Season 3 is going to include Will Wheaton, who some of our listeners may know as Ensign Wesley Crusher from Star Trek The Next Generation. Also, he's grown into a fine geek who's written several novels and uh, just all-around geeky, plays Dungeons & Dragons with the Penny Arcade crew. And a very lefty blogger. Right. (laughs) And really a voice for our people, which I think largely consists of uh, lefty bloggers. Right, Andy?
1: Um, I, no comment.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. Guild Season 3 is set, it's in production. If you follow Felicia Day on Twitter, she's been tweeting over the last couple of weeks about how they've finished filming and they're, um, they're getting the show into the editing stage and going through all that. So it's going to include Will Wheaton. He's going to be the leader of a rival guild. And uh, it should be awesome. It promises to be really cool. And that's pretty much it for the Geekly News. A ton of stuff uh, happened at San Diego Comic-Con. If you want to find out more about it, you can check out Kotaku, Joystick with a Q, or um, Ars Technica has a pretty good rundown of a lot of the headlines from Comic-Con. And we're going to jump straight into the uh, the major portion of the show. I talked to you guys a couple weeks ago about the... The possibility of uh, myself and the lovely wife coming to the Penny Arcade Expo in Seattle this year in September. And while I am going to be making it to the BlizzCon Expo, it looks like I'm not going to be making it to PAX because, drumroll, we are pregnant. Yay! And hey! Yay. More, <laughs> spawn, <laughs> more spawn! More <laughs> spawn! We don't really want to travel, so I think that's only news to Andy. I let Sarah and uh, Jay in on that little secret. On my but birthday! On your birthday, that was my gift to you. <laughs> Uh, If you think about the implications of that, it can be a little bit creepy, so...
4: (laughs) It is a little creepy. (laughs) Just take a minute to ponder it.
0: Alrighty. Anyway, I just wanted to share that with the the podcast listeners there. And uh, now, this is really a test to see which of my friends actually do listen to the podcast. (laughs) Because
3: you're yeah. not gonna
0: tell anyone. Because I'm not gonna tell anyone. And then I'll wait for the tweets to roll in. And if like three weeks from now I'm like, hey, did you like episode six? And they're like, Oh yeah, it was really good, man. I liked when you talked about that stuff about the geeks and stuff. I'll be like, Oh yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it, you liar. <laughs> <laughs> Onto the on to the core of the show where we discuss round table fashion, some things that we thought were interesting, ideas that have popped into our heads. As I mentioned, this first one was from Rev. And the question is, have you ever been through a geek crisis where you felt like the things that made you a geek were kind of slipping away and you might lose it? You might become like a normal person who didn't check the Internet for your news, who, you know, didn't look for free Wi-Fi everywhere you went and uh, didn't care about witty but ultimately useless T-shirts. Andy, you're kind of the least geeky of all of us as far as I mean I unless am. you count Sarah <laughs> <laughs> Which we don't because she's a girl. So you're kind of the least geeky of all of us. Uh. Have you ever have you ever felt that, that modicum of geekiness slipping away?
1: Um I, I have, and I wouldn't necessarily say I'm the least geeky, but maybe the least uh geeky in the in the sort of things that this podcast is about. But uh I guess when I I, I made a move, I, I moved out to Nashville a few years ago, and I had sort of decided to give up all of my geeky stuff so I could focus on making music. Um, and so I, I I sold my my game systems. I, I gave away all of my Dungeons and Dragons books. Aww. Um And I, I just figured, you know, hey, this is just something that it's great. I don't, you know, I have no problem with it, but I sort of want to spend my time on other things. But. Especially, I've been I've been in Nashville over a year now, almost a year and a half, and i am sort of re-picking those things up. Like, there's been like a, a loss in my life because of them. Oh. I I I repurchased my or I purchased an Xbox. I I find myself there's a, a comic book slash sort of record store a, a few blocks away from me, and I find myself people people post the uh, the game wanted ads, you know, near, near the gaming section. Like people looking for, uh, I don't know, to play the whatever the latest iteration of the vampire games are, put on some lipstick and some eyeliner, and you know, <laughs> and make a Saturday night candles. of it. And I, I find myself sort of, sort of, longingly, you know, touching those pages and thinking, I too could be rolling a D20 right now. Uh, <laughs> and so I, so I think I'm, I think I'm sort of striking a balance, right? Uh, I think I'm, I think I'm re-entering, becoming a little more geeky again, and I'm, uh, I'm pretty happy about it. Yeah, man, you know my first D20 role was with you, Andy. True story. I remember that was an epic, epic day. What a good
4: day.
2: Dude, can I just run through just a quick little uh, a little story about my first D&D experience? By all means. Oh, man, it was great. Uh, it was just me and Andy, and Andy was being the DM and in the adventure. I ended up like sneaking past a ton of freaking orcs into this cave and at the bottom of the cave there was this huge rat like an eight foot rat right standing on its hind legs and in order to defeat this rat i jammed my fist through his eye <laughs> it was <laughs> pretty incredible i'm like andy can i jam That's my awesome. fist through its eye i have that like hand blade thing he's like yeah you can do whatever you want it. <laughs>
1: it's dnd <laughs> i totally did i killed that effing rat it was great you know, it's it's great. You have the whole concept of Dungeons and Dragons takes a little getting used to normally, right? Yeah. Um A sort of level of of being comfortable and 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 making up this weird stuff while be, while being you know, if not an adult, then somebody who ought to be an adult. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I thought when I first when I first ran this game, I thought, well, you know, it's going to take some time. He's probably going to play it like he plays a computer game, and within four seconds. <laughs> he had, he had developed a backstory for his character, developed an alternate voice for his character, and punched a rat through the eye and i thought this <laughs> this is a man I should hold on to and then and then Sarah came along, and that it didn't work out, but
0: oh, <laughs> oh you weren't able and to hold on, on to him. my life oh.
3: I came along Thanks, before God. you, Andy, by the way
0: <laughs> all right
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay. just,
0: uh, It's enough for me to go around all right There's a lot of squabbling i <laughs> All right, well, geek crises. Um, I think I have gone through a period like this, and it's it's not so much that I walked away from it consciously, like you're describing, Andy. It was more of a, I don't know, it just kind of a falling away of the, those specific things that I had been interested in. And I don't know, I think you just go through phases in life and you'll, you'll pick that stuff back up. There are times when I don't care about fantasy or sci-fi at all, and all I care about is like the CIA, you know, action... Uh, Tom Clancy books. And I don't consider those geeky. Um, I just consider them silly books. But there are times when that, that's, what, that's what really strikes my fancy, and I go for that stuff for a couple months or maybe a year or whatever. I always find myself coming back, though. So that's the thing for me is, as much as I may dabble in other areas, I find myself getting back to reading blogs about technology and reading news about technology and um, just being invested and interested in that stuff. So well, I don't know. What about you, Jay? I don't know. I think
2: that as far as geeks go, we, I think we're pretty healthy um, overall. <laughs> that I think that just as a massive generalization, that we that a geek the things that geeks like um, for us are not mutually exclusive from the things that people in our other you know categories of being, I don't know how you would say it, like other people our age or other people who have similar other interests. You know what I mean? Like, um, we don't we don't like these things in exclusivity of other things. We just also like these things as well. So, I find that there are times, like, um, last summer when I quit WoW for a good amount of time, I really enjoyed, I did a lot more outdoorsy stuff. I was going hiking, like, a couple times in a month and just spending more time doing things that were not geeky for sure, but I I never like lost interest in that sort of stuff. I just wasn't doing it at the time. So, I think you're basically right. It's that right. our world, you know, the world of a healthy geek isn't smaller than the world of the average person. It's larger because we also like things that are a little bit more outside of the mainstream.
0: That's a good way of putting nice. it. And That's beautiful, Sarah, as as a non-geek, have you ever experienced that kind of thing?
3: Mm. Well, I'm still becoming a geek, so I haven't sure. lost touch with my geekiness yet. Except every time they push back the release date for Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Which, I don't know, you can usually, when that happens, you can hear Sarah outside of different time zones,
0: just far away. Just, just, <laughs> no!
4: <laughs>
2: horrible
0: howl. That's awesome. Well, Sarah, I know you've been playing the World of Warcraft, so that's definitely a a mark, a good mark on your geek um, report card. Yes. Any other specifically uh, super geeky things you talk about being on the path to becoming more geeky? Anything else that you see as aiding that?
3: No, I just think I'm beginning to like video games more. Like, we played Street Fighter last night, and I was able to pick it up really easily, which is not something that's normal for me to learn how to play a video game quickly, and I did really well, and I played today and beat all the characters, which was really fun. She beat
4: the storyline.
2: She, like, went through the (laughs) The, the mode like the story mode, and be fine a boss, which I yeah. wasn't able to do and oh did did she mention which character she's using
3: oh you a, oh, oh
2: you gave it away, I wanted them to guess <laughs> isn't that hilarious. That
0: is the worst. Why would you do my that? My little
2: five because foot two wife playing a seven foot bear wrestler from Russia.
4: Great.
3: <laughs> his moves are the funnest and I can do all his special moves now really easily. I tried learning the special moves for the other characters and it wasn't they weren't as good as Danke, so he's my favorite now.
0: <laughs> well he does have a lot of hair.
3: He does. Oh yeah.
0: So <laughs> I guess, uh, Jay, keep your wife away from Andy is the
3: <laughs> <Yes>. is
0: <laughs> That's the a theme. good general rule. Because he's like <laughs> a miniature Zen yeah. All right, well, let's jump right into the next section, the Harry Potter review. And for this, we're going to kick it over to Andy and Sarah. I have not seen the movie because I have a kid who um, is of that... Piece. Of that specific age that does not allow you to go to movies without a babysitter, and I'm just not interested in paying, like, $60 to see a movie at this point in my life. But
4: Harry Potter.
0: On the upshot, my mom is definitely in California for, like, two weeks, so... That's true, and your mom loves our child. Yeah, it's cool, huh? She does. That's pretty awesome. (laughs) All right. Well... Let's let's just uh, open it up for you guys. What were your general thoughts of the movie? What did you want to share? I don't know who wants to go first, but I'm going to let you guys take over. So I'm going to just sit back and uh, hopefully laugh and enjoy myself. Go ahead.
3: Okay. I'm uh, a little bit
1: skeptical. Do you want to you want to start? I'm interested in your thoughts.
3: Well, the okay. Well, things that I really loved about the movie. I'll do those first because they're the easiest ones. Um, I really liked the blowing up the bridge scene. I thought it was really good and following the book really well. Um, But it's funny, though, because I'm a big old Harry Potter nerd. I read all the Harry Potter websites. And apparently the actual bridge that they blew up was built in London in 1999. And this Harry Potter book takes place in 1996. (laughs) So the bridge shouldn't have existed to be blown up yet. But that's just way too nerdy to matter. Wow, (laughs)
4: that's (laughs) intense.
3: Yeah, and uh, The Unbreakable Vow, I thought that scene was awesome, exactly how I pictured it in the book. As with all the other movies... Can I ask a quick question? Yes.
2: Just for full disclosure, are we going to mark this as spoilers, or are we going to try and keep it back a little bit?
3: People should have read the books, so it should be a spoiler. All right, so (laughs) we're going to do... uh, (laughs)
1: I'm going to do my best to dance around in case anybody misses the... the, We'll, okay, we'll
0: see what well, we can do. Then I'm going to go with Sarah. It is, it is 2009. How is it possible that anyone has not read the Harry Potter books?
3: If you call yourself a geek, have you not read the Harry Potter books?
0: Basically, if you're listening oh, to this yeah. podcast. So anyway, well, there will like, be spoilers.
1: I feel like this would be a good time to explain a little bit of my Harry Potter story. <laughs> um, because I myself was a person who had not read the books. You know, And I'm sorry if this sounds a little preachy. This isn't a sermon, but I have to share my soul with you all. <laughs> okay. So back in the day, I, in college, I was which an was English... It was a Tuesday, by the way. No. <laughs> the Tuesday was, was, yeah, back in the day. Um, in college, I was an English major, um, which I thought gave me a certain perspective <laughs> on the Harry Potter phenomenon and... All of my friends were reading it. And while, while they read it, instead of, I wasn't even flat out mean to it. I was just purely condescending. And I said to them, you know what? Harry Potter is great for getting kids to read. You know? <laughs> like, it's totally <laughs> backhanded compliment. Um, and I kept on with this a, a, until someone said finally, okay, look, it's summer. You don't have a job at this very moment. Read the books. And so I thought, okay, I'll, I'll read them. Um, and within a matter, I think this was just when the sixth book had come out, and in a matter of of days, uh, maybe like a week and a half, I had read all of the books and became the strongest convert you've ever you've ever heard. Right now, <laughs> I'm an unashamed Harry Potter lover. Um, so there may be people out there who have not read the book who could still potentially it can happen to you. It's yeah. true. My it's husband being one of them. <Peace>. But um, as, as far as the film goes, uh, you know, sixth film in the series, I think they did a great job of, of adaptation of a really difficult uh, book to film. Uh, I think the sixth book is a lot different from every other book in the series in that it's much more of a sort of mystery uh, kind, of, kind of exposition book as opposed to a whole lot of stuff going on, yeah. um, which, which it's hard to make that sort of thing interesting on the screen for a very long time. Um, and so there are, some, there is some stuff that you miss. You miss some of the backstory that deepens the understanding of of Voldemort. You miss um, some some of that mystery, some of the bond between Harry and Dumbledore. Uh, but in their place, I think what you have is a is a really great, straightforward adaptation. Um, I think the real two stars of this are. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe and Michael Gambo, the actors that play Harry Potter and Dumbledore, respectively. I think that their on-screen sort of rapport is just fantastic. Um, And what you really get out of here that you can't get out of the book is just sort of seeing this cast that's been together for upwards of eight years now um, sort of play off each other with a sort of familiarity that can only come from that kind of amount of time spent together. So it does. It's not going to change anybody's mind. If you love Harry Potter, you're gonna, you're probably going to enjoy this. If you don't, it's not going to change your mind. But there is a sort of a sort of continuity with it that, that just feels great. It feels great seeing the same people in the same roles. Uh, it feels a little bit like going home, and that's as yeah. cheesy as I'm going to get. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. I okay. definitely agree with what you were saying about it,
2: the continuity and feeling the characters again. It, ever, I am just a loser this way because every time I they do the intro thing where you know they all hug because you know they haven't seen each other all
1: summer. <laughs> I'm like, oh gosh, <laughs> it's like you're hugging them right because you haven't seen them in a, in a year or two. because <laughs> 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 maybe they made other movies or something, but we didn't see them.
0: <laughs> yeah, certainly right. Not they, they certainly didn't make anything that we wanted to go to. <laughs> So Sarah, what else? What else was on your list of things that you loved about the movie?
3: Um. Okay. Well, then, fine. I will try not to use spoilers. Uh, cause, <laughs> well, because Jay didn't read the book either, and that was really difficult for me and our marriage. I just have to say. Spoiler, you guys. But I did think if if looking at it as if it was just a movie, and I've never read the books, I do think it's a good movie on its own and it does well with the other movies. Uh, but I do think that if you're looking at just the movies, Order of the Phoenix is my favorite so far of the movies. Cause I think it's the most exciting, but um, yes.
1: Order of the Phoenix was real angsty. A lot of, a lot of emo kids.
3: Well, but they're teenagers. That <laughs> no, that's, that's true. <laughs> um, but if I am, if I'm being a true fan and comparing the book to the movie, then uh, there were some things that they did really great, and I was really happy about. And there were some things that I was really excited about for the movie to be in the movie, and they just didn't do such a great job. Um, but so, like I said, I think the bridge scene was good. The unbreakable vows scene was awesome. The Pensieve memories—I've always enjoyed how they do those. I think they're really—they're exactly how I imagine them. Um, the Diagon Alley, Nocturne Alley scenes. In the beginning of the movie, those were great too, and then the cave scene was good, and the Inferi were awesome. I like I knew the Inferi were coming, and I hid my face because I knew I was going to be scared, and I was. <laughs> this is great. I got
4: scared, <laughs> jeez. Yes.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Creepy, and it's rated PG. That movie Are was you rated serious? PG. Yeah, yeah no There's joke. No
2: freaking way. Like I was honestly at points, like I, I, I don't watch horror movies or anything, so I was honestly at points like. I did. I did the scary jump, and I also did the "I'm too nervous to like really look at the screen." You know, yeah. there were a couple of times at the end where I was like, "Oh my god!"
0: <laughs> well, h- hold on though, Jay. Tell what us is- about the game Fear. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> How much of that game did you play?
2: Uh, it was literally the demo. Um, you're in a room. I uh, know you're outside. You go inside. You go into a room. You see an open vent, and of course, it's the only way out of the room. And so you crawl into the vent and then this little girl runs at your face and I just screamed and got in my chair and I, was, I started shooting like everything in my sight until the mag was empty and i just got up and would not play it.
0: <laughs> and then you uninstalled it
2: right and it immediately <laughs> i did the same thing with the new doom game too i ran like through the main entryway and then the second the lights in the station turned off i'm like okay f this <laughs> I turned it
0: off and uninstalled it. <laughs> okay so keep that in mind listeners keep that in mind when jay talks about how how the Harry Potter movie made him feel. I'm just He's throwing that. He's scared of there.
1: little girls.
0: <laughs> <I'm not laughs> if
4: you're,
0: <kidding>. hey, <laughs> the little girl, her the little girl in, in fear is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um But if if you're a seasoned. Uh, horror movie viewer if you are not even seasoned necess- if you have seen a horror movie <laughs> 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 you may have a better tolerance than Jay but it, sorry anyway getting back to um, so th- they did the special effects well I'm guessing for the
4: inferior you guys were well, saying that was really awesome well, yes
3: were great. great yeah I thought so um, the things that I did not approve of in the movie or one thing that's always bugged me about at least the last three movies is there's not enough neville longbottom and i know that he's technically a minor character but he really comes into his own in the last three books and he becomes kind of a hero on his own terms and i wish they would play that in the movie because you just i think they did excellent casting for neville longbottom i think um the actor i'm blanking on his name now I just I think they did really good casting for him, and I would have loved to see the actor in more of the movies because I like Neville's backstory as well uh, so I, I, was sad yeah, I that
4: agree, that.
1: yeah, um I think that most of the most of the characters that we've sort of come to expect to see a lot of screen time uh didn't didn't show up a whole lot um, no. and uh what we did get was a lot of Harry and a lot of Dumbledore um, right. Which, Which is, is great, but you do, you do miss. I'm glad that they kept in as many sort of light, sort of funny moments as they did. Um, Especially to lighten with up the, the, the... Uh,
2: the Lucky, the Liquid Luck or whatever it was. That was hilarious. With Felix yeah. Felicis,
3: yeah. I, I did, yeah. I did like how they did that part. I thought that was, it's not how I imagined it, but I enjoyed it in the movie. Uh, Oh, Matthew Lewis is the actor who plays Neville Longbottom, and I just think excellent casting, and the girl who plays Luna Lovegood, also excellent casting, Um, and I was happy to find out that the, the actress who plays Luna Lovegood was a super, super, super Harry Potter nerd for her whole entire life and then she got the role of Luna Lovegood and it was like her dream come true which warms my heart.
0: <laughs> and it kind of it kind of fits in with the character of Luna Lovegood too that it would be played by someone like that. Yes. Like of all the people.
3: Yeah. Um, my, okay. Without trying to not do any spoilers my biggest gripe about the movie is um, the ending and how they it, it, I just think that the way they did the big climax ending was totally wrong and it, I think that it changes who Harry is as a man. I think that Harry is becoming a man in the books and you see I just think the movie made him seem like a wimp. So, I don't know. I can't explain it without spoiling Andy? the ending. Uh, I Do you I, agree I,
2: I in it without, without ruining it if I may attempt? Okay. okay. Um, there's a there's a situation that's very tense between good guys and bad guys, and in the book, from what Sarah tells me, Harry is he's put under a spell where he is unable to help in the badness of the situation and to try and save his friends. Um, he's he's unable to do it because he's under a curse. He's I don't know Petrificus Totalis or whatever, but he can't he can't do it. So he's watching as these horrible things are happening, and in the movie he's not frozen he he's just uh, he he is choosing to do what he was told to do by Dumbledore which was not interfere
3: right in, in, in the movie in the book he he's he can't do anything he's frozen he's under a spell he it's beyond his control in the book he makes a decision to do nothing and that's just not Harry that's just not who Harry Potter is as a man and that just drives me crazy about the movie
1: 'Cause that's Harry never I never told. thought about that before. <laughs> yeah, I Steps oh my gosh. Are legitimate,
4: yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. So now that's I'm my angry. Yeah. <laughs> <Way to go. laughs> that's my biggest gripe and something that I think that they definitely should have done completely differently. And I mean I don't know how they would have done it exactly, but I I just think it just makes me mad that it I, I personally think it changes Harry Potter's personality, which no good. Um minor things that I wish they would have done more like my imagination was the Sectumsempra spell <laughs> uh, it was crazy intense in the book and just the visual that I had when I was reading the book is, was way more intense than what they did in the movie um, I'm glad they included it in the movie because I was excited about it, but it wasn't exactly how I would have done it.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, they whimped on it. Like with the the way it was with the water was cool, and the the way that the situation is resolved, uh, like the counter or whatever you want to say. I don't want to give away too much, but right. it, it was visually cool. But it was no like the actual use of it. it didn't it didn't resonate as something that was horrible, and because it it's supposed to be like horrible, and it didn't look horrible. I was just kind of like, oh. Oh
1: well, yes. poor guy. <laughs> all, remember, yeah. This is a this is PG rated movie and there's yeah, like blood Yeah, okay. Well
3: let's just bump up the rating <laughs> yeah, That's true. That's, wow. That's, true.
0: that's intense. So this movie maybe not for the kids. No, no. it's no. definitely
3: not no. a kid's movie. I wouldn't take a kid's take kids to see this.
0: No. Okay, so overall overall impressions of the movie, thumbs up, thumbs down, what do you guys say?
1: Thumbs up, definitely.
0: Up.
3: As a movie, thumbs up. As a fangirl, as a fangirl, thumbs down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, fair enough. You're allowed to. You're, I think Our that's a lot. One thumb
3: up, one thumb down. As a fangirl, <laughs> yeah. So
0: but, three, oh. two and a half stars.
3: Yes, but I just have to say the other thing too. That's always driven me crazy is all the different love triangles are way more subtle in the book, except for the one that finally comes out in this movie. They didn't. It wasn't as obvious in the movie as it should have been.
4: Fair enough. All right.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, the love triangles in the book are pretty subtle to the point where the people involved in the love triangles often don't know that they are in the love <laughs> right.
4: triangles.
3: Which, which <laughs> is like being a teenager. A teenager. <laughs> yeah.
0: Which is, yeah, definitely being a teenager. Absolutely.
3: <laughs> yes. Oh, but okay. I'm going to try and not do another spoiler. But the very, very ending with Harry and Hermione talking, uh, completely wrong completely wrong because there was supposed to be something else resolved in that scene that you don't even see in the movie. So,
0: well, hopefully the next one will just be uh, a mind (laughs) lower.
3: Yes. Well, they're splitting the next one into two. So that's wonderful. So it's going to be five hours of Harry Potter.
0: (laughs) Not enough. (laughs)
3: enough.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you guys are excited about that. Well, before we, before we move on to the next, uh, before we move on really to the last section of our podcast we want to probably sneak jay's review of the week in here so
2: um yes and i'm going to record it and send it to you but no i'm not actually we're gonna do it right now jay's review of the week
0: and here it is folks here's jay (music)
5: Hey and welcome to Jay's Weekly Review, where, for your listening pleasure, I review an item of note. And this week's review is for a game, and the game is Street Fighter IV. Here's the rundown. Street Fighter IV is the first numbered Street Fighter game released by Capcom for the arcade since 1999 and closely resembles the traditional Street Fighter 2 and Street Fighter 2 Turbo games of the past in playstyle and visuals. I would go into the game's uh, overall style of play in detail, but if you've ever played Street Fighter before, you're going to feel quite at home. There are a few additions of features um, from Street Fighter 3, but other than that, it's kind of your standard light, medium, and heavy punches and kicks uh, with your down, forward, down, and forward kind of Hadouken style control. Uh, There are a handful of new characters and all your old favorites. And as far as storyline, I'm not really going to offend your sensibilities because it's a fighter and we all know there's not a lot of story to most fighters. I'm sure there's some kind of competition involved. There's a versus mode, story mode, and in the story mode, just like most fighters, you play through your various opponents until you reach the final boss. The final boss of this game is a character new to the genre named Seth, and he is a real jerk. Uh, Once you win, you unlock a cinematic and a new fighter. Visually, I think this game is incredible. Everything is rendered in 3D, and uh, the viewpoint is from the 2D perspective, so you get these nice round uh, visuals where the characters look very animated and alive, but it doesn't look like a Tekken kind of game. It has a good cartoony look to it, uh, very much in the Street Fighter genre. And now for the marks. I love old school Street Fighter, so this game really brought back memories and playing Ryu or Ryu, if you want to say it correctly, uh, it kind of felt like, it felt really good. It felt tight. I was able to pull off the moves like I had before. It didn't feel foreign. Um, So it's nice to be better at games as well playing Street Fighter. I know that it's been a while since I've really given a a Street Fighter game a play. So being able to string together combos in particular, it's really fun. Uh, The new characters are pretty good. Uh, There are some different control schemes, different than standard you know, Hadouken style or forward-back or down-up kind of things, there's some different style to it, but uh, you're still still able to string together some good combos, and in particular, the new character, Abel, I really liked. He's a mixed martial arts style. He's definitely worth trying out. Uh, the difficulty level of this game is pretty high. I had trouble beating the story mode on easy initially, but then got through it and moved on to normal. I'd suggest starting on easy, especially if you haven't played a fighter in a while. But the the game itself is not that hard, it's just the main hurdle is beating the final boss, Seth, he's just a total jerk. Um, He has different phases, and in his second phase, it's just stupidly difficult. He, um, He basically, if you come at him, he will knock you down. If you kind of stay back, he will port right in front of you and throw you. And there's really not a lot you can do, and there's not a lot of room for error. So even when you're at your best, he's still really cheap. So in review, I'd give this game 4 out of 5 stars. I've played a lot of fighters, and this game delivers. The only thing uh, that brings this game down a notch are the difficulty of the last boss and the diminishing returns on replay value, but that's only due to the fact that it's a fighter, in my opinion. So if you like fighters, this game is definitely worth playing. A good throwback to the old Street Fighter and very true to the genre. Until next week, this has been Jay's Weekly Review.
0: Wasn't that and great? Don't you think? Once again, yeah. that was excellent. That was superb. <laughs> yeah. Sarah, did you enjoy it? I enjoyed it. Thoroughly?
3: It was good for me. Alright,
0: Wow. <laughs> okay then.
3: Awkward. Please
0: please let's move on to the next section of the <laughs> conversation here. Jay, I'm gonna kick this one over to you. I know you have kind of I I have a lot to say on it. I suspect, unfortunately, that our other two um, Wonderful and awesome cohorts will not have a lot to say on it, but hey, if you guys want to jump in there, by all means, just as a warning to our listeners, what we're going into now is what we call WoW territory, where we talk about World of Warcraft, so if you don't care about World of Warcraft, you do not care about the rest of the show, look at the show notes, (laughs) and it's going to have the the time when this conversation ends, and you can just zip on down to there and listen to our closing remarks.
2: Which we really do for you guys, because,
0: you know... Yeah, we... We know we talk about WoW a lot, and we don't want to put that on you, so we try to put it at the end of the show so you can just skip it. And make it optional. It. Yeah. Right. It's what it is. So feel free to fast forward to the end. Um, this is We're trying to wrap up the show but here. But it's going to
2: be great.
0: But it you is going to be awesome stay. if you're interested. <laughs> so if you don't play WoW right now, but you used to play WoW, hey, stick around. Maybe we'll we'll spark you. something in you that, if your name is Megan, that makes you want to play WoW again. <laughs> Then and you play can on go our, server, our server, and we'll get you geared. Anyway. Exactly, exactly what he said. Anyway, uh, Jorgen the Worgen, go ahead, oh. Jay, take oh, it okay. away. All right. Well, um, I have been
2: playing my hunter, who I made a couple months ago, named Steel Sights. He's a uh, male dwarf, uh, and he's a hunter. He's really cool. I really like him. He's fun to play, and uh, I leveled him Beast Mastery all the way um, from his very start to where he is now, level seventy-six. Um, and that means that basically he you know, he uses his pet more than other hunters do. And uh, there was this really cool bug that happened in the game, and it's, it's not technically a bug, but it was definitely outside of what Blizzard's intention was. Um, there's a quest in the zone called the Howling Fjord, um, also known as the Howling Fjord. Uh, I believe and it's
0: pronounced Fjord.
2: It's Fjord, okay. Um, the Howling Fjord. And Andy's dying
1: right now. I can feel it. <laughs> um, I'm actually, I'm just hibernating until you're done with WoW. Let me know. Okay. <laughs>
2: and uh, there's a quest in which you, uh, you talk to this, you, you get the ability to speak to Wolf, and so you're talking to this wolf and he's giving you quests to do. And you're running around, and the final step of the quest chain is you have to kill this rival wolf sort of thing, and it turns out that the wolf is actually a werewolf, which in the WoW universe is called a worgen. And uh, so the way the quest works is you need to get this buff on you where you can see this mob um, running around, and his name is Gol. Galvar? Galvar? Something like that? I can't remember. Garwall. Garwall, that's right. And uh, you can see him. So if you're not on this step of the quest, you can't even see him. So if you're just some level 80 hunter, you wouldn't even know he's there. So um, luckily, when the news about this broke, my guy was just freshly level 71, which is the exact level you had to be in order to tame him. um, The minimum level. So that was kind of cool. And uh, so you go out here You do the quest chain, and as you're fighting this wolf, he turns into the werewolf. Now, if you try and do your tame mechanic on the wolf when he's a wolf, he ends up being a wolf. And if you try doing the tame mechanic when he's a worgen, he just turns into a wolf. However, if you time it where the tame goes off the second he's changing, he will actually stay a worgen. And it was kind of hard to pull off, and it took me probably roughly three hours of trying over two days. And I finally got him. And it was really cool because his talents were just like a Ferocity Wolf and he was really neat. He looked like an armored werewolf. It was rad. And, of course, I named him something awesome, which was Jorgen. So his name was Jorgen (laughs) the (laughs) Worgen. I just loved it. He he was great and he was a fun pet. It's the first time I played a Ferocity Pet in the entire time I leveled my Hunter and I loved the damage. And um, Now, of course, there was the whole thing where a Worgen, as far as the... They're broken down in WoW Is they're considered a humanoid, and hunters cannot tame humanoids. They can only tame beasts. And so you kind of knew right off the bat that Blizz wouldn't be happy with this. However, there have been other situations where you've been able to tame pets which Blizzard didn't initially intend you to be. There was uh, a little ooze kind of slime thing. There was a hydra, which you're not supposed to be able to tame and uh, a ghost wolf, which was part of a quest. And in all three of those cases, they allowed you... Whoever had them got to keep them, but they changed the mechanic where you wouldn't be able to get it anymore. Um, so that was kind of everyone's hope that they could get this and they'd be able to keep their worgen. And uh, so it was cool. I got to play with them for a couple days, and then the the you know the nerf we always knew would come. Uh, it came along. And so basically what happened was the they they didn't really know what they were going to do, but they didn't want people to have him. So what they did is they converted it into technically not a pet. Like he didn't have any talents. He could attack, but he had no special abilities. He had like five hit points and did like no
0: damage. So they made him useless.
2: Yeah, completely useless. And then within a week after that, what they did is he was no longer visible in your stable. Cause as soon as they made him useless, I put him in the stable and took another pet out. And, uh, And so, I noticed a few days after they nerfed it, I looked and I saw that that slot where he was was empty. And I'm like, oh, that kind of sucks. And so, I was going to switch to a different pet, and I accidentally dragged my current pet into the empty slot where Jorgen used to be, and then who should pop up next to my hunter but Jorgen the Worgen. However, he was 50 feet tall. (laughs) 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 Which is awesome. Which is several several
0: feet taller than he normally is. Yeah,
2: like he was half the height of the inn. He was huge. And then if you busted uh, Steel Wrath, which enrages your pet, he got like – so. I was up to like halfway up his shin. It was great. Uh, and, <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm already sure. And so it was kind of cool. And um, I, as soon as I saw this was happening, I sent out an email to uh, Brigwin Eddie Carrington, who writes for the Hunting Lodge, which is the premier hunting uh, blog, hunter blog uh, on the internet. And, uh, just gave him a heads up that this was happening, and he wrote a little post on it. It was kind of cool. And, um, so it was kind of neat to have Jorgen just to, I pulled him out in Dalaran and ran around, you know, with a 50-foot worgen. And then, eventually, the, the whole thing kind of came to a close the other day, and Blizzard finally turned all of our worgens into actual wolves. So they were just like they were before. A boring white wolf. End of story. Well,
0: that. It raises some interesting questions for me. One, you know, Blizzard is going against their previous policies of allowing hunters to keep unique pets that they came, that they tamed by exploiting a game mechanic that was either non-functional or Blizzard just didn't expect people to take advantage of it, right?
2: Well, yeah, and it was also, it took a lot of effort. It became substantially easier if you had another person helping you. But again, it required you and that person to be on the same step of a quest that virtually every level 80 character has already
0: done. Right. <laughs> so it Blizzard is kind of doing something that they haven't done before. I don't like to see that and I I think it's when they do it there's usually a reason for it. And so that leads me into my question. Did they do this because the next expansion is going to feature Worgen as a playable race?
2: Mm. It's such a good question.
0: Because their line that it is, um, it's done because organs are are sentient in the game and you can't tame them doesn't hold water. I mean, we've there are quest, there are quest animals that can be tamed. Like there are creatures that give you quests that can be tamed, still in the game today. So yeah. if it's possible for me to to tame an animal that is capable of giving me a quest and then rewarding me for completing that quest, that is a lot more sentient to me than a wolf that turns into a werewolf. <laughs> I'm just true. throwing that out there. So that doesn't hold water at all. And uh, th- those animals are tameable, or they have been tamed, and they were allowed to remain as hunter pets. Uh, so in- the only thing is, you know, one, it's a humanoid. I guess they could be upset about that. And somebody said something about slavery, which is just absolutely ridiculous. But that's um, the internet. Because warlocks are a class that's built around the idea of enslaving demons. <laughs> it's okay if
1: they're bad, everyone knows that. No, right, that's fine. right. and forget about, the, forget about the fact that I've killed
2: literally thousands, maybe a million sentient beings in the time I played this game, <laughs> and if your moral objection is to slavery, then you've got issues. Self-defense, all of them.
0: <laughs> yes, self defense definitely. Right. He waits until they aggro on him. Yeah. Um, Kelsey's odd so, uh, definitely came knocking on my door. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you know I think it it could be an indicator that the rumors of Worgen being the a, a soon to be playable race um, they may have some credence. We're probably going to find out at BlizzCon. But I also love what Terpster said in the most recent um, WoW.com podcast, and he said that Blizzard is just throwing stuff into the WoW client files to mess with us at this point. I think it's totally legit. They they, they have so much power, and they know they have so much power, that they could be putting Pandaren in there, and we'd be like, oh, next playable race. (laughs) Oh, it's Murlocs. Murlocs. Next playable race. Murlocs. Murlocs. You heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Yeah, and a lot of other places before that, but Uh who's counting? Anyway, Uh um... Yeah, it's an interesting story. It is kind of disappointing. As you know, I got Jorgen as well, and it's it's a bummer to see him turn into a wolf, but I think we all kind of knew it would happen. Yeah. So the quest continues for a truly unique hunter pet, and the reality is it's just not going to exist, and we're just going to be bummed out. Unless you want to be Beastmastery, in which case you won't do any DPS. Oh. So, <laughs> sad but true. I guess you could bind Mend Pet to every single attack on your bar. Shut up. And just always run in Viper presence or whatever aspect of the Viper. I hate you. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, That's it for the wild Talk. So, welcome back, guys. Hey! (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure what minute it is, but wild Talk is over. Did Um, you have a nice nap, Andy? It was good, yeah. (laughs) In fact, fact, the entire podcast is over. Unless anyone has any final thoughts or uh, final little things they want to add on there.
2: Um, well, one of the things I want to talk about in the podcast, we may talk about it next week, but just for you listeners, just so you can keep your mind ticking on it, see what you think uh, about iPhone apps and uh, which ones you like the best. We might be talking about that, so think about it. Oh,
0: interesting. Uh, yeah. All right. That's cool. Andy, any uh, any final thoughts for
3: us there?
1: No, I think, uh, I think I'm good for today. I'm going to probably go watch Harry Potter again.
3: <laughs> Yay! <laughs> right now. <laughs> Awesome. so and you can get mad at it
0: <laughs> so I can get angry
3: <laughs> Harry be a man
4: <laughs>
0: well I, I definitely want to thank our special guests for uh, joining us Andy it was great having you Sarah it was great having you hopefully you guys can make this uh, a habit
1: definitely great being here
0: yeah and Jay of course as always thanks for, thanks for kicking it with me oh uh, anytime brother you can find the the Borked Crew at www.grayhats.com. That's spelled with an e, uh, G R E Y hats. You can find David Eagle on Twitter at twitter.com/forward slash c d eagle. You can find J on Twitter at twitter.com/forward slash tesson. That's T E S S O N. Do you guys want to share your uh, your Twitter locations, or do you want to keep those uh, to yourselves?
1: Uh, yeah, mine is a uh, Twitter. Uh, dot com slash Andrew McAlpine M C A L P I N E
3: I don't know what mine is
1: DaisyCore <laughs> come on
3: uh yeah I'm not very geeky or interesting so you know that's not true
0: uh, but we will put your Twitter <laughs> in the show notes or we will put someone else's Twitter in the show notes who is geeky and interesting and you can pretend to be and them. just
3: pretend it's me no that's okay uh DaisyCore but with a three yeah at the end. C-O-R-3 <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright guys well thank you very much for joining us on this episode of Borked, we've had a good time mm-hmm. once we figure out what the title is uh, we'll let you know But um, I think that's pretty much it from us for this week we will definitely be talking to you next week until then, stay nerdy
1: You can turn on your AC like an American
0: <laughs> uh, Sorry, I live in Washington I <laughs> don't have that <laughs> Was Felicia Day. Oh, you son. Oh, God. What? I hate everything about you.
1: <laughs> Understandable, but, but oh, still. But oh, is- <laughs> I swear. You're absorbing whatever is making that sound. I'm you abs- realize that, right? And it's getting <laughs> into your body. How
3: oh, have nice. I've seen it twice. Oh, they are... You could use a knife. You could use a knife. You could use your teeth.
2: Otter
4: pop, otter pop, ooh, otter, otter 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 pop. ba boom boom boom